0: Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm ready to hop in uh, this morning. Today, we're gonna be in James chapter three. Uh, if you have your little scripture journals from the book of James, we've got more of those out there. Uh, go ahead and take those out if you're gonna take notes that way. Uh, if you want the notes, the verses, everything ready to go uh, digitally, you can check out our live event on the YouVersion uh, Bible app. Uh, and uh, as you guys are getting there, let me pray for us as we uh, just open up God's word today. God, I just pray uh, for our time together. I pray that we would uh, just be open, that we would be receptive to what uh, you have to say to us uh, in your word. Uh, God, you'd let me get out of the way, and that you would move, the Holy Spirit would move, you draw people to yourself, you'd do uh, what only you can do here in this service. I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have you guys ever witnessed something uh, that just, it it drew you in, it captured your attention, and when you saw it, you were just kind of like, Whoa just kind of like one of those surreal things, like one of those things you just, you kind of struggle to process uh, what's happening, all right? Uh, I just, I have an example I'm gonna show you in just a second, but uh, I wanna tell you another one. Uh, Does anybody remember when COVID happened? I will never forget driving home uh, from a Wednesday night youth group thing, and I'm listening to the radio and Rudy Gobert test positive for COVID in Oklahoma City, and the NBA season got shut down. I remember going over I-40, over this bridge to go to our house, and just looking down and thinking, you know what, just a few miles down that way, like, there's COVID. And it just felt weird, and it was kind of this surreal moment for me. Uh, But there's those moments that you have, and sometimes it's intellectually like you know something is there, but other times you just see it. And so I've got this example here uh, that I want to show you guys. Uh, This is somebody... uh, on their morning commute. Uh, it looks like something you'd see in like a sci-fi, like dystopian future. Uh, this like, yeah, it looks crazy. Uh, and this is somebody in California uh, driving to, <laughs> uh, drive into work. At least that's what the caption said. Uh, and here's the deal. All right, we'll go to the next one. This video goes for a little bit. Uh, but that. That is someone just driving there. And these raging fires uh, like that have destroyed hundreds of thousands of acres in California. Uh, But here's the deal. They all started with something extremely small. Something under control. And uh, that small thing quickly grew out of control. And so uh, that's true of us too. The small things that can get you into just a little bit of trouble Uh, But if we're not careful, those small things can begin to compound, and they get out of hand, and they get out of hand quickly. And here in James chapter three, uh, James is telling us that we have that same dangerous spark inside of us. It's a small thing that has a huge impact on our lives, and it lies right behind our teeth, right? It's our tongue. It's the words that we say. When we use our words and our tongue flippantly, it can cause vast amounts of Destruction. So today in James chapter three, we're gonna talk about the power of our words. Here's uh, verse one. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. we Will be judged more strictly. Um, On judgment day, there's gonna be two lines, all right? There's a teacher line and a non-teacher line. And there's gonna be some in the teacher line who are gonna receive a more severe judgment because they use the power of their tongue to mislead and abuse the power that they had because they were speaking on God's behalf. Uh, And there's a higher standard, and there should be, uh, for people who are communicating God's word, uh, unrelated to this, but I'm looking for somebody to fill the pulpit. Is anybody in a couple weeks? Anybody? No, okay. Hey, uh, just, I'm just kidding. But the tongue is a powerful thing. And that's why when you use it as a teacher of God's word, there's a higher standard. Let's, let's keep going. Let's go to, to verse two here. Uh, indeed, all right, say the yellow uh, out loud with me. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Can I get an amen? We all make many mistakes. Let's we'll stop there, okay. Uh, for if we could control our, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Here we go, perfect. Uh, We all make many mistakes. But if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and be able to control ourselves in every other way. What he's saying, if you want full control over all the things you do, get full control over your tongue. Control the words that you say. And I'm not just talking about curse words. I mean saying things that you wish you hadn't, saying hurtful and hateful things, saying demeaning things, saying rude things, saying kind of sarcastic and mean things. If we could control our words, we could control ourselves in every other way. Let's keep going. We're gonna read a few verses here together. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a bit in its mouth. Come on, don't don't fade on me. I'm gonna need your help to say those yellow words, okay? Verse four. And a boom rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And in the same way the tongue is a thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on There we go. And among all the parts of the body, the the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Our tongues are small relative to our bodies. It's not a large part of us, but it is the one part where if we can get that under control, everything else is going to fall into place. It's the puzzle piece that if you get that one right, you're going to get all the other ones right. If you get your tongue under control, you will be able to conquer the rest. It takes greater discipline to control uh, your tongue than it does anything else you do. So if you can subdue your tongue, you can subdue your whole body. You can subdue everything that you do. The problem is none of us can keep our tongue in check. We all let it slip. Who struggles with their tongue from time to time? Be real of me, all right? I see those hands. I'll pray for you guys. No, hey, uh, but here's the deal. Uh, I do too, and so... Uh, I debated whether to tell you guys this or not, but I just wanna be real with you guys. I don't want you to think that because I'm up here and I have a mic that I got it together because I need this just as much as you. Uh, last week, I was playing basketball. I play basketball in the mornings. Uh, and I try not, I'm really, I try to do not get down on other people, uh, like whenever they make a mistake or a plan. I try not to get down on others, uh, but I'm a little quicker to get down on myself. Does anybody else say your inner critic is much stronger than your outer critic? That's just kind of the way uh, I'm wired. And so uh, when things aren't going your way, those frustrations, they start to build. Things that any other day you just shrug off, uh, but when those frustrations start to go, it just becomes an irritant. something you just can't, you can't shake it. Uh, And I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I had to turn over, frustrated at myself, like nobody blamed but me, and a four-letter word was whispered from me, (laughs) to me. And I want to tell you that for two reasons, all right? The first thing is anything less than Jesus is a weak refuge. I'm not perfect. Please don't look at me to be your guide. Look at Jesus to be your guide. And the second thing is I want you to know is this. I need this message just as much as you. Uh, My tongue has gotten me into more trouble than anything else. I'm right there with you. Because no one can tame the tongue. It says this uh, in verse 7. People can tame all kinds of birds, animals, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it, our Lord and Father, and sometimes it, those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing pour out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, that is not right. Does a spring of bubbling water, water bubble out of both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. That is not right. Uh, you can't have fresh water and salt water coming out of the same spring. It, it just doesn't work uh, that way. And I think, I think we get that, uh, but I, w- I wanna show you guys something that I think will help us kind of just put, put it into, um, I don't know if anybody else is a visual learner. I'm kind of I'm that way. So I've got some, I've got some cups here. All right, there we go. All right, and one of them is clean. It's completely clean inside uh, and out. And uh, the other one's nasty, right? It's got, uh, I had to get the dirt to stick somehow, so I used uh, some go-go squeeze like applesauce. So that's like dried applesauce, dirt, uh, grass, uh, and it's, it's all on there. Um, and so uh, this one's clean on the outside. This one's dirty on the outside. But what's kind of crazy is uh, this one's actually clean on the inside. There's, there's nothing on the inside here. Try to make sure keep that clean. And so I'm going to fill them up, and then I want you to tell me which one you want to have a swig out of uh, once we're done, okay? I got to get some of those. There we go. Mmm, Tasty. That's the same coffee that we use out front. Uh, that was a joke. I wouldn't do that to you guys. Okay, and then I got, I got this one right here. We're gonna fill this one up. Now, remember, the, the inside of this is clean. There's nothing, nothing wrong with the inside here. It's just completely normal water. Now, if you were to look at these right now, um, they do look a little different but they both look nasty, right? One of these is dirty on the outside, uh, and the other is dirty on the inside. Um, They're both gross. It it matters what's on the inside and it matters what's on the outside. Uh, Because just like we saw last week that our faith has to work, you can't be clean on the inside and dirty on the outside. Uh, That's not how it should be. And you can't be dirty on the inside and be clean on the outside because uh, the way that our life works is the inside and the outside, uh, they're going to match. There's no way to have one that doesn't match up with the other. We may be really good at doing our best to hide or to mask one or the other, uh, but the truth is it's going to match And some of us, we have a lot of filth on the inside, but we've done so good at trying to cover that up and to make it seem like we've got it all together. But you can't draw fresh water and salty water from the same spring. Remember the title of this series we're going through, it's Prove It. Our faith has to, our faith must work. Uh, It's entangled with being a Jesus follower. Uh, Even when you first follow Jesus, there's uh, this passage here in Romans 10, uh, verse nine, and it says it like this. And it ties together uh, the heart and the tongue. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says that you openly declare Jesus. That's with your words. That's a work. That's a thing you're doing. And you believe in your heart, you will be saved. Because if you believe something in your heart, the next... Logical thing is to declare it with your words, to proclaim that truth. Uh, Here's the deal. The heart and the tongue are a duet. And they're always on the same page. And neither one, neither the heart nor the tongue, uh, neither one of them does solo work. All right? They are tied together. And here's the deal. Your tongue will reveal what's going on in your heart. Uh, one commentator said this, your speech tells who you are. Your tongue gives you away. It tells where you came from. It tells whether you're ignorant or educated. It tells whether you're cultured or crude. It tells whether you're a believer or a blasphemer, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, whether you are guilty or non-guilty. Your tongue gives you away. It shows the condition of your heart. If criticizing, gossiping, swearing, swearing, comes out of your mouth, the content of your heart, what's going on in here, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. Um, What does your tongue say about you? What does the words that you say say about what's going on in here? The psalmist said it this way. In Psalm 39, uh, verse one, he says this. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin, And what I say, I will hold my, I will hold my, there we go, when the ungodly are around me, because I will watch what I say. I will not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue. Uh, That is a challenge, right? It's a challenge to hold your tongue. Does anybody just really feel like they got to blurt it out sometimes? Like you strike, My best friend in college he was a, um, he was a know it all like, and so if something was wrong, he would really struggle to be like like I really want to correct that uh, and I got a little bit of that in me as well it 's really hard for me to hold it back it 's hard to hold my tongue back um, and I think the the way we got to look at it sometimes we think uh, that it 's a challenge to hold it back and it 's usually because we 're in a particular situation we feel like th- in this situation it's Hard to hold back what I want to say. And I just want to uh, submit to you that maybe the challenge isn't the situation. Uh, That yes, there are situations where uh, the pressure is turned up. The heat is a little hotter. Uh, There's some more stress there. Uh, But the pressure and the stress and the heat, those aren't a challenge. Because our words don't betray us in those moments. It's not like, man, why did I say that? I didn't mean that. Our words don't betray us. Our words reveal us. Our words reveal what's going on in our heart. We can't control the outside, what we say, without realigning uh, the inside. So let me, let me show you this just as a quick example. If, uh, if you had a cup of coffee out in the front, um, and someone bumped into you out in the lobby, all right? Got a little crowd over there, they bumped into you, and you spilled some of your coffee. If I was to ask you why, why did you spill your coffee? Um, most of us would say, well, I spilled my coffee because I got bumped. The situation that I am was in caused me to spill this coffee. Um, that's not the case. The reason you spilled the coffee is because the coffee was inside the cup. Right? If it was filled with water, you would have spilled water. See, our circumstances might be challenging, but what comes out isn't an accident. What comes out is actually what we're feeling. It's what's inside our heart. It reveals, our words reveal what's going on in here. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew. uh, It's 1234, but I just want to say one, two, three, four, because it lines up perfect, okay? Uh, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say, The tongue reveals the heart. The tongue and the heart is a duet. Neither one of them does solo work. And when we say those things, we're like, "Ah, I wish I didn't. It wasn't the circumstance. The circumstance might have revealed it, but it revealed what was going on in your heart. And uh, we all have a problem. This is a problem not just for the people in this room. This is a problem for uh, America. And the problem is, We hold on to junk. And I'm talking about like literal, literal junk. Like we hold on to junk. It's so common. I bet in every single house here, there is a drawer dedicated for the junk in your house. Got a junk drawer. Some of us have so much junk. Like have you ever thought about this? You got so much crap. You're gonna pay somebody to have a storage unit to put your crap in. Maybe you need less crap. Maybe you need less junk. Uh, it is a problem. And and here's, here's the thing. Why do, like, I don't know if you ever looked at somebody else and, like, seen the stuff that they have in a storage unit or you see, like, those shores, like, the stores, like, hoarders or, like, the storage unit thing where they auction them off. And you're like, why did somebody have this, like, storage unit that's filled with, like, comforters? Like, what, what were they doing here? Uh, but why do they have all that stuff in that unit? Why do they keep it? Why does the hoarder keep all that stuff? And... There's really only one reason. Uh, They don't know when, but at some point, they are planning on using all of that stuff. On some level, there are things in that storage unit that are there because uh, if they didn't value them, if they didn't value them on some level, they would have sold it or they would have thrown it away. They're placing a premium on this junk that. Even though, if we're honest, most of it's just junk. They're placing a premium on it because they value it. They plan on some point, I'm going to use it. And here's where this intersects with us. The human heart is the storage unit of the soul. And what a lot of us do is we store up all the wrongs that have been done to us. We store up, we value the betrayals, the the rude remarks, the hurtful things. And what we do is when that happens, we pack them up as evidence, I cannot trust this person. And just like the pack rat stuffs that storage unit with stuff that they value, uh, we do the same thing. And, And why do we do it? Why do we pack that stuff? Because we think at some time, I'm gonna use this. And so we pack away the wrongs we've experienced because uh, whether we want to admit it or say it this way or not, they are valuable to us. We're saving them for a purpose. We're saving them for a reason. Why in the world would we value the wrongs done to us? Why would we do that? Why would we store that away? There's some of us that, Uh, we value those wrongs so much. Now, we wouldn't say it like that, uh, but it's not just like we didn't stuff it into the back of the storage unit like it's back there. It's like, no, it's right here as soon as you open it. It's a display case storing up all the wrongs that have been done to us. That's called bitterness. It's called bitterness. And the reason we do it, if we'll just be real, the reason we do it, it's our ammo, It's the bullets we might need. Now, we ain't shooting now, but if that time comes, I got my ammo and I'm ready to shoot you down because of all the wrong things you've done for me. And when we store those wrong things up, we prioritize the wrongs that we've experienced. When we store up wrong things, it primes us, it primes us to be unhappy, to be bitter, to be jealous. We store those things up This is a rhetorical question, but uh, do you have a screenshot, a text, an email, a letter that is nothing but painful that you're just holding on to? Because one day, it might be the ammo you need to shoot right back. We're pretty good at keeping that stuff away and putting that in our back pocket. Now, hear me. I'm not saying you need to run back to the people who've hurt you but you don't need to hold onto and put it away the pain and hurt they've put you through. You need to get that junk out of the unit. You need to throw it away. And here's the deal. The problem for most of us is we're human. And when people wrong us, uh, we tend to, as the kids would say, we keep receipts, right? We keep a record of every time... Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna remember that, file that away, use that for later. And we have an attraction to keep these negative things and we file them away. And then the positive things, we forget them. We're so busy picking out the negative and storing it away that we forget the positive. You need to learn to differentiate uh, bad feelings from someone and that's gonna happen. You're gonna have bad feelings from someone versus bad feelings towards someone. We need to differentiate bad feelings from someone versus bad feelings toward someone. When you have bad feelings toward someone, it doesn't matter what they do, you throw it in the storage unit. What if you did the exact opposite of that? What if you stored up good things in your heart? You stored up good things that they would be ready to use at a later date. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 uh, says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has planned good things in advance for you to do. The only way we can start is to store up the good news. And the only way we can store up the good news you gotta clear space. You gotta get the bad out of there. It's just like, I don't know if you've ever been to a storage unit where somebody's cleaning it out. You know what the first thing they do when they clean it out is? Like if they're gonna keep stuff in there, they bring all that junk out into this tiny little walkway where like people, one car can barely fit through. They get it all out and then they start fresh. The heart is the storage unit. And the best way to clean out your storage unit, to clean out your heart, is to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, to bend the knee to the one who took the punishment for our sins, to receive him. And and here's here's what's really cool. If we will do that, it says this in Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender and responsive heart. Hmm. Jesus is saying, I'll give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new storage unit. I'm going to give you a clean start. Hit the reset button. Let's start this over again. There are many here who you've done that. But as with anything in life that you want to stay clean and free of clutter, it takes work Be diligent to keep your heart filled with the good things. Things that honor God. Because Jesus will give you a new heart and a fresh start, but you decide what comes into there. You do. And I believe there's believers in here today who'd say they need to move some stuff out. There's some things they need to kick out of their unit. And some of the things that are in here, I'm just gonna be real with you they're big, they're heavy. And they've been there a while. Don't try to move that alone. It'll crush you. Get some help to get rid of that big stuff. Whether that's a friend, whether that's a pastor, a counselor, a therapist, whatever you need there, clean out your heart. And when you do that kind of uh, heart cleaning, when you clean that out, you get rid of the evil and you begin to store up the good. You begin to store up the things that honor God. You you keep the receipts on the way God has provided for you. You keep the receipts on the way God is coming through for you. You keep the receipts on the way God is moving in your world. The words you say will be different. Instead of pulling from this well that's filled with bitterness or, or malice. It's filled with life. Your words are drenched in love and grace to those around you. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The words you say can bring life or they can bring death. Whichever ones you go with, you're going to reap those consequences. Uh, if you are sowing words of death, man, life's going to be, uh, it ain't going to be too much fun. You're going to reap that. If you are sowing words of life and to others, guess what? You're going to get that life back in you. James started by saying uh, the tongue is a fire. Like we saw at the beginning, a fire can burn down an entire forest, it's a powerful thing. Or it can heat your home, it can cook your food, it can generate energy, it can be a curse, or it could be the cure. Proverbs twelve eighteen says this. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. It's easy to cut someone down. It's easy. It's it's just the way we're wired, our sin nature, it's really easy to, to put someone down. It takes time and effort to bring healing to the people around us. It takes work, and faith works. Here's the, you can't bring healing to others if you have, without a healed heart yourself. Has Jesus done a work in your heart? Has he taken your your hard and stony heart, and given you a tender and responsive heart. I want you to reflect on the words that you say. If you were just to look at the words you said this past week, the words we say reveal our heart. If you look at your words from this past week, what does it say about the condition of your heart? For some, it's it's time to get rid of that junk that you're storing away, you're holding on to. That ammo that you're saving so that one day you can fire back. You need to remove some of the wrongs you've experienced that you're putting value on. And you get rid of those so that, it's not that you don't just put bad in there, so that you can store up good things for you. And God will do that. Give you eyes to see that. Uh, for, for others in here, just, just to be completely honest, I believe uh, it's time to quit trying to cover up your heart. Trying to uh, like, be like this glass over here that's clean on the outside, but really on the inside. We, we don't got it going on. We're a mess. To quit trying to sound like you've got it all together. To say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to give me a good heart. You declare Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise given to us. So don't go on trying to clean yourself up. God doesn't want you to be a better version uh, of yourself so that he can save you. He doesn't want your words to be perfect. He just wants your heart. He wants you to love him. He loves you. He wants you to see everything he's already done for you. So if God is moving in your heart, don't fight it. Don't be that hard, stubborn heart. Be that tender heart. Surrender. Let God do a work. A Christian isn't a Christian because they come to church, because they've been dunked in the water and been baptized, or a Christian's not a Christian because you read Scripture. A Christian is a Christian because you declare Jesus as Lord, that you believe God raised him from the dead. That's all it takes. It might manifest itself that we are doing those things, but doing those things doesn't make us a Christian. Being a Christian spurns us on to go do those things. Let's pray.